Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. First Epistle of John, chapter 5. Now that's near the end of the Bible. Just to help you locate it in case you don't know where it's at. And let's read, starting with verse 10. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. I like that. He hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not, God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. In verse 13, one more time, These things have I written unto you, that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know that you have eternal life. We thank God for the presence of these babies. They represent to us Life. But you and I know that what John is referring to here is another type of life, and that is eternal life. Too often, we look at the life of a child and we consider its physical life more so than its spiritual life. When the baby is born, that baby becomes an eternal personality. Eternal spirit being. It was not in existence before birth, but at the time of birth, God breathes into it the breath of life, and it becomes a living being. Now that begins at conception. In the program of God. But you see, eternal life has nothing to do with the physical life because the physical body cannot live forever. The word eternal in this scripture is perpetual or everlasting. Perpetual or everlasting life. Life that will never end. And so we see the baby born and we thank God for its beautiful life. But you see, if it was referring to the human body, eternal life, then this scripture wouldn't hold up because the word eternal means perpetual, forever, without end. And you know as well as I do that the body one day will die. And so, here we see that the Bible is a book written not concerning physical life, but concerning spiritual life, the life of the human spirit. And again, the scripture said, that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know that you have eternal life? Do you know that? Can you answer affirmatively and say, Yes, I know I have eternal life. Well, when you say I have eternal life, you're not referring to your human body because your human body is going to die. When you say, I have, and you add on to that what the Word says, the Word is referring to the human spirit. I have eternal life. How do you know that you have eternal life? Well, let's read some scriptures about eternal life. 
Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him should not perish, but have eternal life, or everlasting life, or perpetual life. Now, that's what Jesus said, that if we believe on Him, we will have, we do have eternal life, or perpetual life, or everlasting life. Well, over there in John's Gospel, chapter 5, look at this scripture with me. I want you to see this very clearly. In verse 24, Jesus again is speaking. John chapter 5 and verse 24. Verily, verily, I say unto you, truly, truly, I'm telling you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life. What does he have? Okay, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed out of death into life. But is passed out of death into life. What could he be referring to? Passed out of death into life. How many of you ever remember passing out of death into life? I pray you can. But you see, if you were to read that from a physical standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. How can you pass out of death into life? It sounds like maybe he's talking about when you die, but it doesn't say that. He says, he that believeth on me now has everlasting life, perpetual life, eternal life, whichever way you want to state it. But he has passed out of death and into life. Let's read some more scripture. John chapter 6 and verse 66. John chapter 6, verse 66. From, the, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Referring to Jesus. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will you also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Jesus, he's saying, you have the words of eternal life. Perpetual life. Everlasting life. Then in John 10, 10, Jesus said, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Again, the word here is referring to eternal life, everlasting life. In the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse 23, we are told that the wages of sin is death and the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Eternal life, perpetual life, life everlasting, life without end is a gift of God. And then in the next, go, go back to that first John again. This is very important. John chapter 3, first John chapter 3, first epistle of John chapter 3, and verse 14. Verse 14. Verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Abiding in him. It's possible then to have eternal life abiding where? In you. But here John is saying that we have passed out of death into life already. He's referring to right now when he writes this letter. Okay. Now, in the light of all those scriptures that I have shared with you, it's evident that God has written to us a book that gives to us understanding concerning what is called eternal life, perpetual life, or life everlasting. It does not refer to the human body. It does not refer to the human mind, the soul, but it makes reference to the human spirit. Because man in himself is a spirit, he is not a body. 
It'll do you good to read God's Word. And every time you quote God's Word and say, I am or I have what God's Word says I have, tack on to the end of that any scripture and realize that it's not talking to your physical makeup. It's talking to your spirit. When you say, I am healed, it's not referring to your body. It's referring to you, the inner man. You, the whole man. When the Bible says, I am more than a conqueror, it's not referring to the human body. You speak God's word concerning who you are, and you are a spirit. When it says, I am victorious, a world overcomer, and I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony, the I makes reference to the human spirit. Not referring to the physical body. Now, we've got to realize this, that God has dealt with the human spirit, the spirit of man. It's up to us to educate our minds. It's up to us to control our bodies. Now, do you really know that you have eternal life? Do you really know that you will go to heaven when you die? Do you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that when it comes time that you leave this earth by means of death, do you know that you will live eternally in the Father's presence? Do you know that? Well, I was asked that question. I was raised in the Roman Catholic religion. I was baptized as a baby. I made my first Holy Communion. I made confirmation. And I did, I followed everything that I was to follow, faithfully and religiously. When I got a little older, I went to work, and I had more contact with other individuals that were not involved in the same religion that I was raised in. And oftentimes they would walk up to me and they would ask me this question, are you a Christian? And I would respond by saying, I am a Roman Catholic. Well, they says, are you a Christian? And again, I would respond and say, well, I'm a Roman Catholic. Well, then they clarified what they were asking. They said, do you know that you have eternal life? Do you know that when you die, you will go to heaven? Do you know that you have received this eternal life? that God has offered for you. And I said, well, I know that I was baptized in water as a baby. I know that I was confirmed. I know that I received Holy Communion. That I could answer yes to. But when they asked me the question, have you received eternal life? I was stunned. I didn't know what they were referring to. What do you mean, have I received eternal life? I received water baptism. I received Holy Communion. I received confirmation. Well, they said, have you received eternal life? Do you know that you are going to heaven? And as sincere as I was, in my faith and in my belief, I could not answer affirmatively. I says, I don't know that. I know that I've been baptized. I know that I've been confirmed. I know I've received the sacraments. But when they come out and ask me, have you received eternal life? I didn't have anything to answer him with. I don't understand what you're talking about. Have I received eternal life? What do you mean, have I received eternal life? See, I couldn't answer that question. I didn't know that. Did you know, they said to me, that you could know for a fact that you have this eternal life and that you are definitely going to make heaven your home? I said... I didn't know that. I never understood that. I don't know what you're talking about. I used to go to bed at night. Boy, I tell you, I used to go to bed and, and pray and say my prayers. And I had a desire to go to heaven that was so strong, I'd shake and tremble. I would just shake and tremble. And I'd say, man, I want to go to heaven. And I'd think back on some of these questions that were asked. And I'd say, I don't know that I'm going to heaven when I die. I can't say that I know that. You know, I was taught that if I said a quick prayer, if I had time to pray while I was dying, that I'd probably get there. That's what I was told. 
You know that if I said a quick prayer, well, I, I used to pray like this. I'd say, man, Lord, when I die, let it be something that'll just prolong so that I, so that I, I have time to say this last prayer. You know, so that I can know that I'm going to heaven. I want to know that. Well, for some reason, inside me, it didn't satisfy me, and I began to hear what the people were trying to say to me. Do you know that you have eternal life? And it bothered me. I said, no, I can't honestly answer you and say that I know that I'm going to heaven, that I have eternal life. I don't know that. I know that I was baptized in water. I know that I was confirmed. I know I received the sacraments. But I do not know whether or not I've ever received what you call this eternal life. I don't know that. I can't answer that. Well, thank God that Jesus said, I am come that you might have this life. And Jesus said, I came to give you everlasting life. And that Peter said, you have the words of eternal life. Because someone told me then that in order to have this eternal life, you've got to know what God's Word says about having eternal life. You've got to understand what God said about having everlasting life. And so I began to evaluate what I believed. And I saw the only thing that was missing. I believed all about Jesus. I believed that He died for sins. I believed He was raised from the dead. I believed that He was ascended on high. But I didn't know whether or not I had this life in me. I didn't know that. I used to hope and pray that I would be worthy enough to get there. I said it made me tremble. But thank God for the Bible. Thank God that you could know that you have eternal life. So someone opened up the Bible to me and said, read John chapter 3, verse 3. Do that with me, would you please? Turn there with me. John chapter 3, verse 3. John chapter 3 and verse 3. What is this thing called eternal life? What does it do? What effect does it have on the individual? Well, one of the religious rulers asked Jesus concerning his ministry, and Jesus responded... By saying in verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot enter or see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. These newborn babies we have here today, they're born into the earth realm. They have a flesh and bone body, flesh and blood. And yet, this first birth is not enough. They also must be born of the Spirit. They must have eternal life imparted to their spirits to guarantee themselves eternal life and a home in heaven. I found out that although I practice a religion, I didn't possess this thing called eternal life. I didn't have it. I know I didn't have it. And so here in verse 7, Jesus says, Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. You must be born again. Be born anew. Now think about that just for a moment. Because here I am. I'm not in full gospel circles. I'm coming out of a Roman Catholic background. And when I first heard those words... I answered so foolishly, I'm amazed when I go back. I said, I was born once, isn't that enough? I was born once, isn't that enough? 
But then, when I saw that Jesus said, who said? Who said? What did he say? Who is Jesus? Is he not the Son of the living God? Did he not come from heaven to the earth and tell me, you must be born again? You know, I have to share that with you. These babies must be born again. Did you know that? They must. Because in their original state, the way they are, without being born again, they cannot have eternal life. Eternal life is perpetual life. But you see, because a spirit is born eternally, there's only two places after it leaves the body that it can go. And that is the everlasting life or everlasting punishment. Now, I found out that in order to have everlasting life, you must receive it. Well, what is this everlasting life? What does it do for you? How do you get it? Where does it come from? These are all the questions I had. Where does it come from? I don't ever remember someone saying, now you have received this here particular thing, and this is called eternal life. I don't ever remember someone sending me a package in the mail, UPS, saying, this is eternal life. Open it up, and it's yours. The Bible says it's a gift. It's a gift come from God. Well, how do I get this gift? How do I receive this gift? What is this gift? Why do I need this gift? Jesus said, you have to have this gift in order to enter into heaven. Well, I began to look and search the scriptures, and I began to find out that if Jesus had the words of eternal life and came to give me that life, I need then to search the scriptures, to search God's word to discover how I can obtain this life. So the first stop I made was over there in 1 Peter 1.23. You don't have to turn to it. If Jesus said, I must be born again, what must I be born again of? Was my next question. Well, Jesus, by His Spirit, revealed to me in 1 Peter 1.23 that being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God. By the what? Didn't Peter say that, Jesus, only you have the words of eternal life? Well, here I found out again that the same Peter says, you must be born again of the Word. We could say of the Word of life. Same Peter. Recognize that Jesus had the words of eternal life. To whom shall we go? See, to Jesus. That's to whom we shall go. And so we found out that Peter agreed with Jesus and said, You must be born again of the Word of God. In James 1.18, don't need to turn to it, we are told, He begat us with the Word of truth, born of the Word. Now that I know what I'm born of, in first, Second Peter, the first chapter in verse 4, tells me exactly what this new birth is. And it says that by these precious promises we might become partaker of the divine nature. Eternal life is God imparting His divine nature, His very substance, His very being into the human spirit of an individual. Now let's say that again. Eternal life is God the Father imparting to the human spirit of an individual his life, his nature, and his substance. Not into the body, but into the spirit. Now, water doesn't do that. Water baptism doesn't do that. Receiving a sacrament doesn't do that. Going to church doesn't do that. What does it is God the Father through His Word, by the Holy Spirit, actually recreates the human spirit of an individual by removing the darkness and imparting to that spirit His very nature, His very life, His love, His very being. Now listen. Receiving eternal life 
is receiving God into your spirit. That's what receiving eternal life is. Receiving God into your human spirit. If the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, what an awesome thing. The same mighty spirit that raised Jesus from the dead can dwell in us. Then he that raised up Jesus from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that's living in you right now. If you're born again. Say this with me. I am a spirit. God's spirit lives in me. See, that's eternal life. God has imparted to your spirit His divine nature. Well, what does this eternal life do for you? What effect does it have on the human life? If I have God's life and nature in my spirit, and I know I have it, what effect will that life have on my everyday life? The life that's manifest in this flesh. Round. Well, actually, there's a lot it'll do for the common everyday life of an individual. It'll produce changes in the speech, in habits, in lifestyle, in belief. God imparting His Spirit, His life, His nature to your spirit will cause certain changes in an individual's life. Many changes. As a matter of fact, the best scripture we can give to you would be 2 Corinthians 5.17 that says, If any man be in Christ, if you are in Christ, you are a new creature or a new creation, a new species that never before existed. Old things are passed away and all things have become new. You were once dead in trespasses and sin, but this new life has come into your human spirit and the old things have passed away and all things are brand new in the inner man. Now you have God's life and nature. You have His love inside your spirit. Well, what changes? What does it do? What's it going to do to me as an individual? Well, changes in speech, changes in attitude, changes in the quality of the individual, his personality... It's going to make a lot of changes in the life of an individual. This new life will turn liars into truth-tellers. If you have this life... Now, the Bible says you've got to know that you have passed out of death into life. If you don't know that, then it's a sad thing to say, but you don't really know that you have eternal life. Because John said this was written so that you may know that you have eternal life. Now, if I have eternal life in me, and it's living in me, not religion, not a conversion or a change of, of uh, moral standards, but we're talking about the actual imparting of God's life and nature into my spirit, into your spirit, if it has happened in your life, these certain changes will begin to be made manifest almost immediately. Number one, those that used to lie, that'll be the first thing. You're going to say you can't do any longer. You will no longer lie. It'll be difficult for you to lie. You will be a truth teller. As a matter of fact, I can remember when I first received eternal life into my spirit. I can remember that it was impossible for me even to tell somebody, like if someone called on the phone and you were busy or something like that, you said, well, tell them I'm not home. You couldn't do that. If you did that before you received eternal life, you couldn't do that once you got this new life in you. You couldn't do it. I mean, if you really got this life in you, you couldn't do it. See, that's lying. And the Bible says that before you received God's life in nature, we were under the inspiration and rule of the opposite nature, the nature of death. And of course, didn't Jesus say that to the Jews, you are of your father the devil? He speaketh the lies. He's a liar. He's the father of all lies. When he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of himself because he is the father of all lies. The first change you're going to start to see right away that you cannot lie. What else will it do? This life 
if imparted to the human spirit of an individual who at one time was crooked in his dealings, maybe a crooked politician, maybe a thief, whatever, maybe a crooked tax collector, whatever, like in the Bible days, that person will be changed into a trustworthy citizen. The same life imparted to the human spirit of a murderer could be changed and can be changed into a preacher. Paul was a murderer, but he was changed into a preacher of righteousness by having this eternal life imparted to his spirit. The same life, if imparted to the human spirit of a teenager, will cause his mental faculties to be 10 to 50 percent more efficient and effective in learning. This eternal life, if imparted to the human spirit of an individual who was a godless, faithless husband or wife, will cause that individual to turn around and be a loving father and a loving mother and a faithful husband or wife automatically. This new nature, this life, will cause you to have fellowship with the Father God in reality. It'll cause you to want to worship Him in spirit and in truth automatically. If it has been imparted to your spirit. See, it's eternal life. It's the nature of God. It's the only guarantee of having a place of dwelling in the Father's presence throughout eternity, imparting His life and nature to your human spirit. Okay, now how then do I receive this life? How do I have this life imparted to me? How can this life come into me? How can I pass out of death into life? How does this transition take, take place? How do I leave this realm of death and come to this realm of life? How does it happen? Why is it necessary? Why is it necessary that I receive this life? Well, let's look at, let's answer both of these questions by looking at two scriptures. Matthew chapter 25, chapter 25. Again, our speaker is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's, he's the best teacher I ever heard of. How about you? See, these are some of the questions I had to have answered in my life so that I can go on with God. I loved him so dearly, but I did not know the way. Now listen. When the Son of Man shall come in, the, in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and, the, and he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, and as much as you have done it unto, the, unto one of the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting... The word is perpetual. Everlasting, eternal fire. Prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger and you took me not in. Naked and you clothed me not. Sick and in prison and you visited me not. 
Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee a hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Again, perpetual life, perpetual punishment. The reason why I need to receive this eternal life is because if I do not receive eternal life, then eternal death is inevitable. It's there. An individual that is born into this world looks to his or her parents to direct and guide them into the way of life. They have to receive this life or they cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. But receiving this life is an experience in each individual's life. You must receive it yourself. It cannot be given to you by somebody else. And so I found out that even though I was baptized as a baby in water, although I made my sacraments, I could not answer affirmatively that I received what is called by God's Word eternal life. I could not answer that. And so, in my endeavors, God opened up to me His Word. I accepted His Word and found out how to receive this life. I wanted to avoid eternal punishment. Don't you remember the story that Jesus told about the rich man in Lazarus who was clothed in purple and fine linen, fared sumptuously every day, and there was a beggar named Lazarus who was laid at his gate full of sores, who desired to be fed from the crumbs that fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that Lazarus died, the beggar died, and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom and the rich man died also and in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments and seeing Lazarus afar off in Abraham's bosom and said Lord or Abraham send Lazarus over let him dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I am tormented in this everlasting fire and Abraham said son when you lived on the earth he could say it like this, you didn't receive eternal life. You didn't receive what God had to offer. And so now, even though you were comforted with all your riches and etc., etc., now in this life, you must suffer the consequences of eternal punishment. But here, Lazarus accepted what God had to offer, and he is comforted in Abraham's bosom. So we see, at the time of death, we have two places of eternity, eternal destiny. One in the presence of the Father in comfort, the other with the adversary prepared for the devil and his angels, eternal fire, eternal punishment. And so when I found that out and decided that I could not affirm it, affirmatively say, I have received it, I had to say, I need to know why or how I can receive it. And turn with me to Romans, the 10th chapter. And I want to share with you how you can receive this life eternal. And I thank God that it had nothing to do with anything that I could do by myself, but it had something to do with God and His Word. Because it was the easiest thing I ever had to do in my life. Chapter 10 Verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. The word. Didn't Peter say to Jesus, You have the word of everlasting life. You have the words of eternal life. Okay. Paul is saying, The word is near you. The word or the words of everlasting life are near you. And what a thrill it was to my heart to realize that God's word was near me. In thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus 
and believe that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Saved from what? Eternal death. Eternal punishment. I saw that in the Bible, but I, had never, I never did do it. I believed all this with my thinking. I understood it in my mind. But I knew somewhere down within me. Remember that scripture in 1 John said, He that hath life has the witness in himself. I didn't have that witness inside me. I could not answer that I was going to heaven. I could not tell these people that I knew beyond the shadow of a doubt I was going to heaven. So when I found out the word was nigh me in my mouth and my heart, that if I would confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus and believe from my heart the spirit of man, the eternal part of man, that God hath raised him from the dead, I would be saved, delivered, set free from this punishment, from death. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. In other words, out of his spirit he believes in the right standing with God. One cannot be in right standing with God unless he believes from his heart. One cannot appropriate faith unless he releases it out of his heart. One cannot have his need met unless from his heart he contacts the Father. So with the heart man believeth unto right standing with God, and with the mouth he makes a confession unto his deliverance. And at that moment he is born out of death and into life. It's the most miraculous incident or event that takes place in the life of any human being in the earth. We think that when people are set free from physical diseases, from blindness, from deafness, from paralysis, that these events and incidents are so outstanding. We seem to think that when someone receives something in this realm, it's so miraculous, so outstanding. But I believe that the eye has never seen what takes place inside the spirit of a human being when God by His Spirit through His Word recreates that spirit and imparts to that spirit His very life, His very nature. It's such a devastating thing to anybody that I don't know if we have even, those that have been born again, realize what we have in our human spirit when we say we are new creations. We are new creatures. I have eternal life. The Spirit of God lives in me. The glory of God has been imparted to me in my spirit. I don't believe that even, well, there are some that are gaining this understanding and knowledge, but even the Christian church today has not majored in this kind of life that's been imparted to the human spirit. It'll cause any individual to straighten up and walk than straight and narrow. It'll cause anybody to be a doer of God's Word if they understood the life that was imparted to their spirits. And he went on to say, For the Scripture saith, Whoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. I'm not ashamed that I'm born again. I'm not ashamed to say that God lives in me. I'm not ashamed to say that the Holy Spirit is inside me. And I certainly am not ashamed to say that I know that I'm going to heaven when I leave this body because God has imparted to me eternal life. I'm not ashamed of that. Hallelujah. For, let's go on, next verse. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them. I'll be honest with you. I'll tell you right now. Those individuals that came to me with the, with the word of God, how beautiful are their feet. Oh, I thank God for the feet of them that carried to me the good news of the gospel. I declare, glory be before heaven, earth, and all the powers of darkness, that I appreciate those feet. And if they were here right now, I wouldn't mind just bending over and washing them for the individual that did it. Would you? Amen. You think about it. They imparted to you knowledge concerning eternal life. I thank God for it. I thank God that I'm no longer blind and my eyes are open to the truth. Well, he went on to say, How beautiful are the feet of them 
that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel, for Isaiah saith, The Lord who hath believed our report. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Now, to, to, to finish what he was saying, they have not believed our report. There are many that although they practice religion or they practice church doctrine, have never received eternal life. They've never been born again out of darkness. They've never passed out of death into life. And John said, These things have I written unto you that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know it. I know that I have eternal life. I remember being born out of death into life. I know that when Jesus comes in the cloud of glory with his angels and judgment day comes, I could stand before him and he could say to me, enter into the joy of your Lord. The kingdom was prepared for you. It was given to you. This is the fullness of it. It's all yours. What a glorious day. What a blessed day when that takes place. But you see, we have the reality of it now. He's given it to us now. We have it now. We have eternal life. Well, once this life is received, it must be developed. And we'll close right there. If you receive this life into your human spirit and you find yourself slipping back into the old ways before you got saved, before you receive this life in you, then you need to recognize that this life is not being developed in your spirit. Now, when we talk about spiritual development, we are talking about the individual taking his place to feed the human spirit these words of life until the word itself becomes alive and a living reality in the human spirit. And the way to do that is recognize you are a spirit. Recognize God's words are spirit. Recognize that when you speak His words from your heart, they have power and they have life. Take everything God said about you in His word and begin to speak it to yourself. Begin by saying, I am in Christ. I am a spirit. I am a new creation. God is alive within me. I have eternal life. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. See, that develops this in your human spirit. That causes the human spirit to come into harmony with the new creation. It causes it to put out that which God has made you into this realm. So you see, eternal life is given to each individual. When they accept Christ, when they call upon the name of the Lord, when they receive Him into their spirit, but then that life must be developed. Now there are many that, as we said, and as Paul said, they have not believed our report. To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? He shall grow up before Him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He's talking about the religious. He's talking about his fellow Jewish friends. We hid as it were our faces from him. That's what they did. He was despised, but we esteemed him not. They were all around him. They walked around him. They lived with him. They were in the same synagogue with him, but they didn't recognize him, and they didn't get eternal life. But let the word of God be true. Surely he hath bore our sicknesses and carried our diseases, our pains and sorrows. Yet we did esteem him, Isaiah said, I did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for my transgressions. Maybe not theirs. He was bruised for my iniquities. Maybe not anybody else's. 
but for mine. And the chastisement of my peace was upon him, and with his stripes I am healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, and every man turned to his own way, but the Lord nevertheless laid on him the iniquity of us all. My sins were laid on Jesus. My diseases were laid on Jesus. My mental torment and anguish was laid on Jesus. See? All that was laid on Jesus. Even calamity was laid on Jesus. And it pleased Jehovah to bruise him. He made him to be sick. Now whosoever calleth on the name of the Lord shall pass out of death into life, be recreated, come into harmony with the Creator of all the universe, invite the Holy Spirit to live in His Spirit, guaranteed eternal life, changed into His image and likeness, free from sickness and disease, free from mental anguish and torment. That means He heals us. Matter of fact, let's close. Let's all stand and we'll close by quoting... Psalm 103 that says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits, who forgiveth all mine iniquities, who healeth all my diseases, who redeemeth my life from destruction who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies my mouth with good things that my youth may be renewed like the eagles. Hallelujah. I have eternal life. Can you say that today? You said a mouthful when you said that. Say it with me. I have eternal life. Now, see, how do I get it? I call upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's bow our heads, every eye closed. At this time, we are going to pray a prayer. In this prayer, we are going to give everyone here an opportunity to call upon the name of the Lord. If you did not know what it means to be born again, and if you were like I was and, and say in your heart, I don't know definitely that I'm going to heaven when I die. You need not fear because John said it was written so that you could know that you have eternal life. And the only way is to have the Son. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son hath not life. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall have life, shall pass out of death into life. Let's pray together this prayer of faith, giving everyone here an opportunity to receive this life. Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, just as I am. I believe Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for my justification. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, I open the door of my heart. Come in, Lord Jesus. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I, have I have eternal life. I'm now saved. I'm now, saved. I'm now born again. I'm now born Your, child. Your child. In Jesus' name, in Jesus name. Amen. amen. And amen. amen. Aren't you glad you have eternal life? Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we just want you to let us know in one way or another. Stay after the service for a moment. Tell somebody that you know here. We want to give you a Bible, we want to give you some material that would help you to understand more about what happened to you. But this evening, 
we're going to continue, Lord willing, on the realities of the human spirit. And we're going to teach how we walk in the spirit, not by the senses and not by the mind, not by the intellect, but how we contact the Father in the spirit with the spirit and how our human spirit can be developed in such a way that we can produce more of this life that's been imparted to our spirits. And so we're going to pick that up tonight, Lord willing. I say Lord willing because we're always subject to change along with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. So let's bow our heads in a word of dismissal. Is there anybody here today, first of all, before we do, that has a need of physical healing in your body? Any, any, any need at all whatsoever? Raise your hand if you do, if you have a need. Any, other, any needs in the body? You know, I like to do it this way. I like to let God's Word be so. You know, sometimes it's nice to have services and we can just, you know, praise God, we have outward appearances. But I'll tell you what, to me there's nothing better than the believing that what God's Word says about me so. Let's say this together then. I have eternal life. I am born of God. The God of all the universe is living in me now. I am a spirit. That life is in my spirit. I rule over my mind and over my body. I am what the Word says I am. I am righteous. I have the ability to stand in my Father's presence. As though sin never existed. That's what it means to be righteous. I am righteous. Jesus is my righteousness. I am free from sin. I am healed in my body. With His stripes, I am healed. Sickness and disease can't live in my body. I'm free from mental torment. I have the peace of God. It rules in my heart and it protects my mind. And my body has the life and the nature of God flowing into it from my spirit, causing this life to be made manifest in my mortal flesh. And now my life is a continual pageant of triumph. Diffusing the fragrance of the knowledge of Christ everywhere I go. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm above, not beneath. I'm blessed everywhere I go. I'm above only. I'm above only. Only. Not beneath. I'm more than a conqueror. Because I'm in Christ. He's made me whole. He's given me a reason to live. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, this is my confession. This is the word of my testimony. And it's settled in my heart. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. That's food, friends. <laughs> Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for the reality of your word and spirit. As we go our way, we thank you that you have paved the way for us. The angels have gone to minister for us. They've seen us to the other side and back. They're ministering spirits, ministering for us now. We give you the honor, the praise, and the glory that the Word is enlarged in us. It's alive in us. Our capacity is enlarged to receive your fullness. And the Spirit has made us filled to overflowing with your goodness. We're not drunk with wine, or as an excess, but we are filled with your Spirit. We go our way now, heralding the name of Jesus and this great redemption that we have to give you honor, praise, and glory in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Rejoice and sing. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins 
and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.